in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, well, he has trouble with the spin. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. is now in. Happy Monday to you. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin Show coming your way. Streaming live, tcmartinshow.com. And, of course, locally here in Las Vegas. Ballpark Frank in the house. What is going on, my man? Hey, you know, another uh, big weekend of uh, sports action. Watch some football, obviously. Watch a little Aussies football as they crown a champion once again. Even watch some tennis going on, uh, World Series. Lots of stuff happening right now. And don't forget Bayern Munich uh, shut out another opponent, too. Don't forget that, okay? Yeah, I, so. I, I didn't get to watch that, but but Richmond won their third of the last four years in Aussie rules football. There you Just go. Just a dominant club. Are you doing, Down 21 at the half. Are you doing this because you know Clayton Hamilton is listening to the show today? I, I don't know if he's listening or not, but I just wanted to, I wanted to give it a little bit of love because I have totally fallen in love with that sport this year. All right. It I know you have. Incredible. You have. I it's, used to It's awesome. I used to love it when I was a kid. I don't know why I was really that's why I first started getting into German soccer watching the television show Soccer Made in Germany and then I started watching Australian rules football and I was just like cuz you know remember back in those days there was very little outside of the major sports to to watch so we see these things like that's pretty cool especially when you got like 80 or 90,000 screaming Aussies going nuts. Yeah, which they don't have in the stands right they now, don't. but they do have limited no. amounts of uh, fans in there. Yes. But, no, it's, it's a great game. And, and I've watched so much of it, I even kind of know all the rules now. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is just I, I, I love the guy in the hat when he signals for the whatever, you know, it comes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I just love that. Guns out. Guns yeah, blazing, yeah. baby. When, when you get the six-point goal the six that point. goes through. What do they call that? Is, is that just a goal call where the, he snaps the fingers and he's, and he's pointing like, uh, you know, uh, the old – Wow, Wow West. Well, yeah, it's Artemis show that, Gordon and I Jim guess West. It, maybe it's maybe I, I have no idea. Maybe it signifies a six shooter or something. I don't right. know because it's the six point goal. Because if you only get it by in, in one of the other ones, you know, then that's the that's the one point. Mm-hmm. So you know, so the six point is what you're going for every time. And they do have point spreads like regular football, don't they? I believe they probably do. I, I've yeah. never bet it, so yeah. they're probably a William Hill on site. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's no the tennis tournaments over in Asia. No doubt. All right. Uh, remind me. I've got, and I, I've wrote a note here. I, I've got some tennis stuff to talk to you about. Probably going to table it for a terrible Tuesday because it's, 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 it's a terrible story, but it's tennis, and I think you're going to know about it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. So I just throw this out to you and Numchuck because you know I have a, a bad habit of, of forgetting stuff for a terrible Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, tennis yeah, right yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times we go into it um, right, right after the show is over and go, right. oh, why did you guys remind me to talk about <laughs> Exactly. All right. uh, A lot on the table today. Of course, Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the show today as we talk about what we saw yesterday in the NFL, college football on Saturday, World Series game number five last night. Another one. You couldn't have had two better games on Saturday and Sunday, game four, game five. Couldn't have had a crazier finish than game four. Goodness. (laughs) But it it, it made the series go longer. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Still think the Dodgers are going to win it. but uh, Tampa Bay with that wild, crazy come from behind uh, victory on Saturday night where it looked like basically end of a Little League game where Taylor uh, base it up the middle for a lightly used guy who came over from Kansas City, Phelps, and uh, he singles, and then I don't know what Taylor was doing in center field. Uh, misplayed the ball, played it from the side. He was lollygagging. He was lollygagging, <laughs> exactly. Throws it home uh, to get a Rosarina, who stumbles, falling around third base, just dead to rights, as they say. Looked like a beer league softball game. Absolutely. <laughs> and this guy is phenomenal. It, just, it was just like he's coming home, and I don't know. He got tripped over the, the carpet. No grass there in Texas. The carpet. And then, uh, and then the catcher trying to make the sweep tag forgot to see ball in glove. Yeah, ma- making a sweep tag on a guy that's still like ten feet away from At him least. because he was out by a mile. Exactly, exactly. And we have two runs scored. And you know what really got me with this? 
and, and I don't think they ever made a correction, but they that was the only error of the game. They gave the error to Taylor playing center field. There were two errors on that play. Oh, absolutely. Right? That's totally an error on the catcher. Totally. 100%. And Joe Buck says, oh, yeah, error to Taylor. I'm saying, okay, Joe, there's two errors, but y- you'll get that right eventually. Later on, still said the error by Taylor. They throw up the box score. One error by the Dodgers. No. Go back the next day. One error by the Dodgers. Two errors. Taylor made the error as the ball goes off the, his glove, okay, to give the runners the extra base, and then allowing the run to score when the ball goes off the catcher's glove. Yeah, one. Two errors, right? Yeah, without, yeah, yeah. If you had a side bet on over-under for errors and you had one and a half, that's a bad beat. Right. (laughs) But how how could they not fix that? I don't don't know because it was obvious. Anybody who's ever played baseball, whoever got the scorecard and kept it at home or went to the game or something like that, or even if they did play on a beer league softball team or something, that's pretty much scorekeeping 101. And you can't say it didn't have anything to do with the play or the runner scoring because it obviously did. It 100% decided the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let, let me go back to that box score uh, from Saturday night, the 8-7 uh, victory by the Rays. Trying to see if three days later, if maybe they finally corrected it and gotten it right. They must have because I got Dodgers 2 in the air column. There now. you go. They did. Somebody else complained. There it is. And because well, that blows that terrible Tuesday out of the water. Exactly. Good thing we did it on a manic oh, Monday. Man. Unless, <laughs> unless without the Bengals, without Susie, right? Susanna Hoff. Susie. Ah. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there with that. Ooh, those eyes. No relation to Dennis Hoff, though, right? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. She might be a bunny for uh, for Halloween or something. I don't know. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, I. You it's... opened the door, man. <laughs> we're gonna close it right now. That's it. <laughs> Leave that so door the open. So two errors. We, we, uh, two errors. Yeah, two errors. All right. Now, and I, I hope that those are the two errors because I know at the end of that game I just saw one. So they had to go back and Well, then it's got to be the two errors. It it's not to, like yeah. there was one in the third inning that they right? forgot earlier. That's, it's not like they gave no errors that, on the play. That's some, that's some, yeah. Because, boy, if they did that, wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. But, uh, yeah, great game uh, Saturday night, the 8-7 to seven come Come from behind a victory by the Rays. And then last night, Clayton Kershaw was solid last night. The Dodgers win 4-2. So here we go. It's been, you know, alternating games here. You know, it's kind of like a tennis match, right? You know, it's like uh, alternating games. You have the serve. You're winning here. Uh, Dodgers lead three games to two. Uh, no travel day, but off day tonight for Monday Night Football. Let some pit- pitchers get their rest, like we talked about last week. And game number six will take place on Tuesday. Game seven, if necessary, on Wednesday and uh, Kershaw was good again, even though he didn't get past the sixth inning. Right, but again, I mean, you know, with the pitching staffs they have in both bullpens, the best in the National League, the best in the American League, maybe that's just a game plan. You know, you don't have to throw somebody deep, and you want to use your bullpen enough, especially since you do have the rest days, that the guys are ready to go and kind of the AC groove. So, so maybe that's just exactly what they're looking to do. I'm not sure. I mean, like you said, Kershaw pitched well enough, but when you have a stud bullpen and you know we have a game off tomorrow, maybe that's all they. Maybe that's what the game plan was going into it. Is is it just me, or do you watch these games and it seems to you like? Because when I'm watching it, I'm thinking the Dodgers are the favorite to win. And Tampa has to find a way to try to scratch out a victory. Mm-hmm. Even after that game that we're talking about in Game 4, that could have crushed some teams. The Dodgers just came back and went, well, that was a terrible way to win but, or to lose the game, but we're still the better team, you know, because some teams, you know, think of the Cubs with the Bartman game years and years ago. You have something going, and you're looking for a reason to lose. The Dodgers just have that walk about them and that, that it just seems like, okay, well, we dropped that game. It was in horrendous, you know, historic type of a way to do it, but it's still just one game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, totally agree with you with that. And my thought process exactly the same. And it would have never came down to that if if Bellinger didn't DH in that game four. He's supposed to be in the outfield. I'm not saying he doesn't make that error, but but Taylor, obviously the moment and the stage was way too big for both, you know, him and the catcher at that point in time. You could just see that in the in the raise with the momentum. And that was such a back and forth game. And it just seemed like the younger team Collapse and, and, and they choked, but you're absolutely right. And I think that that's the makeup of this Rays team. I don't like the makeup of this Rays team. 
I know T.J. Reeves, who will be joining us a little bit later, our guy from Tampa, the Buck sideline reporter, and also covers the Tampa Bay Rays. Mr. Tampa is going to join us, and we're going to talk specifically about this. And he just seems to think that this Rays team is constructed so brilliantly, and I totally disagree. You have a different leadoff hitter every game. You have a different cleanup hitter, a different five hitter. You have platoon guys leading off. Diaz leads off last night. He's a platoon guy. And you got mixing and matching with guys playing different outfield positions, infield. It's just, it's crazy. And it just seems like they have to, you know, crawl their way, you know, back into these games. They have to piecemeal their their innings together. And Kevin Cash wants to, you know, be that, that crazy guy that, you know, wants to be cool and, and uh, you know, do these stupid trends of putting four outfielders out there, overshifting. And again, it just it's Joe Madden all over again, but this is even to the Madden-th upteenth degree that just drives me nuts. But you're right. The Dodger lineup is the Dodger lineup, and you know what you're going to get from Betts and Seager, especially those two guys at the top of the order. And then, you know, Bellinger batting six, but you know, they don't differ from that. They'll throw a Kiki Hernandez independent on a lefty-righty matchup or whatever, but we know he's a veteran. He's been around. But these Rays, you just don't know what you're going to get. They seem to literally piss their pants, and you don't know what's what's going to happen, but I just can't see them jumping out to a lead and hanging on like we know the Dodgers have done or are capable of doing. And, and if they can get to a lead with their bullpen and that, maybe they can get a win. But like you say, it, it almost seems like they try to reinvent themselves every game. Like, what's the magic formula today? Because yesterday's formula is not going to work. And I want to throw it in rewind just a little bit as well. Because we were talking about that game four and they won it. What if the catcher doesn't drop the ball? Then... If the Dodgers come back and win that game because it's only tied because the winning run doesn't score, then the narrative is, what the hell was that guy going home for when he was out by a mile? Because it worked out, everybody thinks, oh, Tampa's got this, you know, the lucky horseshoe up there, you know what, and things are going their way. But in reality, it was a base running error. We, we talked about the two errors that were actually on the play. That was actually technically a base running error because he was out by a mile. Because the catcher doesn't catch the ball, that's what makes it so that it's, it looks like a good thing for Tampa Bay. Their mistake turned out to be fortuitous for them. Right. Uh, our breaking news here, and uh, this comes from our on-the-spot correspondent and, and huge fan, huge listener, H. Savage, says Su- Susanna Hoffs, Dennis Hoff, no relation. No relationship also. There you have it. Uh, talks about meeting Dennis Hoff. Uh, in the past, and uh, also uh, actually meeting Susanna Hoff, uh, Bengals good, Go-Go's awful. There you go. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when Susanna Hoff is your lead singer, I, I got to disagree with the awful part of it. Go-Go's? Oh, the Go-Go's. Oh, That's the Go-Go's, yeah. yeah. That's what he's saying. He goes, yeah, yeah. I guess she was part of the Go-Go's too, right? No? Susanna Hoffs? No. I, I don't know. Why is he saying Belinda this, Carlisle or whatever. He, I think he was just comparing two girl bands. Oh, there you go. There you, you know? go. Bengals good. Go-Go's off. Yeah, Bengals were good. I, yeah. I'm not a Go-Go's fan myself, yeah. so I kind of agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to hate on the uh, on the Go-Go's. I just don't <laughs> care about them. The Go-Go's have went-went, so. You know, Dennis Hoff always had a, a spot in my heart. Never went to the Bunny Ranch to visit or whatever, no. but he did come on the show. The day after, remember Lamar Odom? OD? Yeah, I, I was going to say, did was Lamar Odom there when he met Dennis Hoff? So, exactly. You know, and that, and so you know, I was, uh, I guess, ballsy enough or whatever to 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 try to get in touch with him after that because it that was breaking news. It was a sports story, and he said, "Yeah, no problem." He came on the show. It was fantastic. It was great, and I remember after the interview. You know, he's sitting there, and he told everything what Lamar Odom did. He said how much money he spent. He said spent seventy five grand. Talked about what was in the room, what he was taking. And I was like, man, this is like, I feel feel bad. So but was it, was it one of the theme rooms? It was. It was one of the theme rooms. Yes, and uh, you know, he kind of had an open residency there. And when it was all over, Dennis Hoff said, you know, this was this was great. Um, you know. I would be happy to come back on again. I said, Dennis, would love to have you on. He goes, next time, how about if I bring the girls down to the studio? <laughs> you know, years ago. It never happened, but, you know, and then, and then the poor guy died after that. I've actually done a remote at Sherry's Cabaret. 
Oh, really? I, I've been out there for a remote. Now, it was in the sports bar place in that, but went out there for a thing. They used to do a, a party every year called the Midsummer Night's mm-hmm. Reef. That's how I know what a theme rune is. Right. Otherwise, I wouldn't even know what okay, one is. Okay, if you say so. They're, they're like ten grand or something like yeah. that from what I understand. So yeah. that, that's way out of my price No, range, co- my no cops allowed for the radio personnel? <laughs> uh, they, they weren't giving them the time that I was there. But I actually saw Paul Revere and the Raiders performing, and then they had a party, and they oh, gave gosh. tours of the, of the place and that kind of stuff. Cherokee so people. It Cherokee was tribe. Yeah. It, oh, it, it was, yeah. But but it, it was isn't it was interesting visiting, but um yeah so but um yeah Lamar Odom yeah but there's so many things going through my head right now that I can't say. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, yeah, we got a lot to touch on here today. So we will talk about the World Series with T.J. Reeves, our guy from Tampa, and also yesterday's game between the Bucks and the Raiders. Uh, Buccaneers all over the Raiders, forty-five twenty. You know this game was set to be tied and the Bucks were leading 24-17 and the Raiders were driving you know there in the second half and it came down to about fourth and one and a half fourth and two and John Gruden sends out Carlson to kick a field goal and a lot of people were thinking what's he doing here they got the mojo going and the way Brady was moving the Bucks up and down the field do you really want to make it 24-20, Gruden, or do you want to try to go for this? Because they had converted, remember, a fourth down earlier on a fake punt, you know, fourth and less than a yard, and they got it. And uh, they had some big third down conversions. And he kicked the field goal, made it 24-20, and guess what? Those are the last points the Raiders scored yesterday. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it seemed like once Tampa Bay really got in the groove and Gronkowski's playing better, and it looks like Brady and Gronkowski are back on the same page again. And and then it kind of seemed to me that the Raider, they, they just kind of got tired. They wore out. The offensive line played good but not practicing together and everything else. I think that finally caught up with them. And the big difference in the game to me was no pass rush right. for Vegas. I mean, right. if, if, if you can't give Tom Brady all day – to decide where he wants to go with the football. You've got to make him move. He's not the most mobile guy in the world, but you've got to get him on the move. With the time he had, it almost just seemed like a matter of time and attrition before Tampa would finally open that thing up, and that's what eventually happened. Brady was phenomenal yesterday, and I know I said this on the website, that it was one of his best games ever. No, he didn't win a Super Bowl. It wasn't a playoff game, but when you look at just the precision and the leadership that that he has shown with this Tampa team. And yesterday, granted, it was the Raiders, but this was the same Raiders team who limited Patrick Mahomes two weeks ago and Drew Brees weeks before that. Brady was 33 for 45 for 369 yards, four passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown, accounting for five touchdowns yesterday. Just totally phenomenal. And what Tom Brady is still doing at the age of 43, I know some people say, okay, it's the Raiders, but Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees could not duplicate this or even come close to what Brady did yesterday. Yeah, and you, and you can't say oh, it's the Raiders. It's not like they're the Jets or somebody like that. Right. The, the Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. Like right. you mentioned, they beat a team like Kansas City. They've been playing pretty good football this year. But the pass rush, and Gruden talked about it after the game. It's no secret. And, and I do admire him for that kind of honesty because some coaches, well, we win as a team, we lose as a team. You hear the coach speech. He came right out and said, we've got to get a better pass rush. Because if we don't, we're in a lot of trouble. And they didn't yesterday. And and that ended up costing them big time. But, again, you could go back to something like maybe they don't kick the field goal, but what if they wouldn't have kicked the field goal and then they still wouldn't have picked up the first down too? Right. So maybe the last points they would have got were the ones before that. I right. mean, you just don't know. But, um, you know, you can always look at different points of the game, but when you look at the whole picture of it, and I don't want to oversimplify it, the lack of pass rush and giving Tom Brady that much time – it would be almost impossible to beat Brady with any talent right. around him. And he seems like he's getting more comfortable with that team. Mm-hmm. And when Tampa Bay looks at the end of this season, if they keep on going like they are, they might look at that Green Bay game as the turning point of the season for them. No After question. losing to a Bears team that they probably should have beat mm-hmm. and then basically crushing Green Bay, they just have that confidence right now. And you don't want Tom Brady out there having that confidence and that pep in his step. Bucks haven't made a turnover the last two games against Green Bay and the Raiders. Uh, very impressive performance by Brady and the Raiders. You know they had injuries in the backside, but the defensive line really kind of the Raiders' strength in the in their three victories they've gotten yesterday. So credit to the Tampa Bay O line 
as well as Tom Brady yesterday. So, all right, so T.J. Reeves will join us in a little bit. We'll talk with him uh, regarding that game, the World Series as well. Matthew Holt will join us as we talk about uh, the betting favorites cashing big time from the sportsbook perspective. And also, we will talk about UFC 254, where Khabib not only defeats Gagey, Justin Gagey, but also Khabib retires. I know you got some thoughts on that, Frank, uh, as well, too. But uh, before we go to the break, uh, we do have some breaking news. And something that's uh, been in the works for a while, and uh, we've hit it with social media earlier today, but uh, to let all of our listeners know, if you have not heard, uh, starting next Monday, one week from today, that is November 2nd, uh, this show will be going to two hours. Well, we're expanding uh, to two hours. Yes, a long time coming. Uh, glad that uh, we're able to do it, especially during these rough and tough COVID times that we've seen here. But, uh, yes, 2 to 4 p.m., you are going to get the T.C. Martin Show along with Ballpark Frank and uh, the rest of our great guests. And so, basically, it's the same show, same everything, but just uh, a a place where we've been wanting to be for quite some time. And starting next Monday, you are going to have two hours of nonstop sports talk. And just uh, we're happy to announce that and and happy for uh, our listeners, but, you know, just happy for our uh, you know, for our, our crew here as well, too. Well, you know, hopefully it's good news for the listeners out there, and I think it is. But the other thing is, too, this is good news for me personally because I no, lo- no longer at the end of the day have to hear you go, how come we didn't get to this? How come we didn't get to that? How come we didn't? You know, our, our, our friend Brian Benowitz over yeah. at the Cosmopolitan, and we'll get to spend two hours with him now there in the, in the great sports book over there at the Cosmo. But the other thing is, you know, he loves the horse racing, and I love the horse racing. You're not a quarter horse. You know, you, you, you're used to doing the two, three, four hour shows or something like that. And you're a quarter horse, but that's been trying to run mile races, but you haven't had a chance to. Now they finally stretched you out. They got you out of the six furlong race and you can go the distance that you want to. I think it's beneficial. Who knows? Maybe down the road, maybe it even goes to a mile and an eighth or something. We don't know. But at least now you're getting closer to that distance where you can kind of stretch out a little bit, take your time about things and get more in your comfort zone zone it's funny you went to six furlongs because i i'd probably prefer more of a mile okay and then maybe no, that's stretch what i said we've been we've yeah. been doing six furlongs yeah, that's true and, and you and, oh okay and, and, and in horse okay. racing right, six right, furlongs right. is a sprint right there's quarter horse and then in regular horse racing six furlongs. Well, there's five and a half in that but i don't yeah. want to get into all that exactly but normally it's considered a six furlong which is basically three quarters of a mile that's true that's because eight furlongs is a mile so, but now we're doing the mile. So you're there more you in your comfort I'm zone. I'm in my zone, exactly. You know, it, it still might not be your best placing, but you're doing a mile, <laughs> and it's Vegas, so we're on the grass now, although we're not on the grass, but we can be. We can be on the grass. We're <laughs> the turn. Look at this. I, I do appreciate the horse racing analogy much better than going with the NASCAR analogy. So thank you very much for going there instead of, you know, uh, left turn, left turn. Yum, 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 yum. So, so you're saying that it's better than saying at Bristol where you're doing the short track and exactly. then you're doing the long yeah. track? You and then you have it. the ones where you're doing rights yeah. and lefts and yeah. everything else, I would have made Numbchuck cut off yeah. your mic if you would have went NASCAR. Analogy. When I that, I would have lost me. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to get lost when all you have to do is make left-hand turns. Uh, but it's true. You bring up a good point because people say that all the time. It's like... Only an hour, and yeah, it's been hard. I never did an hour show before I, I came back to Vegas, so it's been tough, like you said, of squeezing all of our content in. And again, you know, we have so many guests that we love to bring on, and now it just gives us more time to do that. And uh, yes, I, I know Numchuck's happy because he gets an hour's worth of more pay here, so he's happy with that. And, and then Saturday, he's going to get an hour more of a day on Halloween because of the clock change. Oh, look at Numchuck right now. I mean, this is his wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what does Ezekiel Elliott have to say about us going to two hours? Oh, bro, I'm low-key faded, bro. Oh, well, he's happy. I mean, there to get That's awesome. But I think uh, that was his same attitude yesterday while they were getting drilled by the Washington Football Club. <laughs> Boy. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Yikes. Yes, two to four. That is your new time, so lock it in. Uh, we'll be promoting it uh, during the rest of this week and everything. Uh, tell your friends. There you go. Two to four, uh, more TC and Ballpark Frank. 
Uh, you got to love it. And yes, uh, great point about being at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, especially on Fridays as we go, uh, you know, again, I used to be in that three o'clock s- slot at our former place. And uh, we love going all the way up until those four o'clock games. And so Brian Benowitz and the Cosmopolitan people are happy there because we're, we're back in that wheelhouse as well, too. So. Yes. And, and hopefully after we uh, do the first couple two hour shows, you will say, wow, that was the fastest two hours in sports talk radio. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the fastest two minutes. In there, you there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. We come back. We've got Matthew Holt. We've got TJ Rees. We've got a lot of Tampa talk. Glad to have you with us on a Manic Monday. You wanted more TC? Oh, yeah. Well, you got it. The TC Martin Show is expanding to two hours. Two hours? Oh, TC. Get more of the best sports talk and guests in Las Vegas. That's huge. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. And streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. in. Well, as my good friend T.J. Reeves likes to say, he is coming to us live from the epicenter of sports. And I know people here in Las Vegas are definitely feeling that after seeing the beatdown that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put on the Raiders yesterday, 45-20. to And, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays, even though they could not come back with uh, after that great performance Saturday night with a victory in game number five, uh, still there, down three games to two. So we talk. Tampa Bay Rays, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and who knows what else, because as you know, this guest segment usually takes its twists and turns. The one and only Buck sideline reporter himself, Mr. T.J. Reeves. And also, let's give him some love there for, yeah, I believe it's the Compass Broadcasting College Football Game of the Week. This guy's calling some of the biggest college football games uh, down south. What's going on, my man? Always good to be with the doctor, especially after a big Buccaneer win, historic win. First ever game in Vegas is a route of the Raiders. I know we're going to talk about that. I'm getting to work Alabama and Mississippi State this Saturday for Compass Media Network. So that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. But you didn't bring me on here to talk about that football game. You brought me on here to talk about what you witnessed firsthand in this bizarro 2020. You were there. And we on Buccaneers Radio were doing the game remotely. So my question to you, my friend, is did Tom Brady look as fantastic to you in person as he did to us about 2,500 miles to the east? I said it earlier, and it's up on the website. I'm going to say it again. To me, Brady looked – this is one of his most magnificent performances I've ever seen. I know it wasn't a Super Bowl. It wasn't a playoff game. But still, to go – 33 for 45, 369 yards, four (laughs) touchdowns through the air, What one rushing. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy was flawless. He was amazing. And I think I even posted that uh, yesterday, just seeing this guy in person. And I was trying to remember, I can't recall, and maybe I did or or didn't, uh, seeing, no, because they never really played in Green Bay from what I remember when he was a member of the Patriots. And I think this was probably the first time that I saw him play in person. Uh, I, I was blown away at age 43. Not blown away because you know, I'm a big Brady fan. I love Brady. But uh, it, was, it was great to see the way he dissected and sliced and diced. And Frank and I are old enough. Uh, he was like a Vegematic, T.J. Reeves. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the bottom line is you got to pick your poison on who you want to double team. The Raiders were trying to double team and take Mike Evans away. Oh, you want to take Evans away? Okay, we'll throw it to Chris Godwin. You want to try to double team Chris Godwin? Well, then Gronk is open. Down the field is the tight end. And then the third receiver, the little speedster, Scotty Miller, who most NFL fans that don't play fantasy football do not know that name, at least not yet. But, man, he took off on that touchdown late in the first half in the two-minute drill, made a great catch in the back corner of the end zone. And the only thing that I keep coming back to is I kept saying this offseason. I came on with you, and I came on from every radio show from New England to Hawaii, literally, on nationally, on in local markets, and saying, you people don't understand the weapons he now has to work with, that what he had in New England was a pinto. 
I mean, he had Julian Edelman. He had Gronk retired doing doing Fox commentary and WWE wrestling. He didn't have anybody to throw to in New England. You're wondering why they struggled. Uh, and now you look at the weapons that he has, and, and please tell me we will get to New England Patriots with Cam Newton, 90 yards passing, three interceptions in a must-win home game with the 49ers as further validation of what Brady has meant before to New England and what he means now to the Buccaneers after what we saw yesterday. Well, and when you're talking about the weapons Brady has, let's not forget as well how much more effective those weapons are when you have that front wall in front of them. The offensive line did a tremendous job. The Raiders weren't anywhere near Brady, and you give him that much time with weapons, I mean, it's pretty much game over. Thanks a lot. Turn out the lights when you leave. Yeah, you're right, and they and they have spent a ton of money. I mean, this I believe is still the case. I know it was last year that the Bucks had the only offensive line in the NFL with three different guys making ten million or more, much the same way as TC and VGK Frank on the show here making ten million or more, uh, rolling in those circles. Uh, and that doesn't even include the first round pick, uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, who they drafted uh, this past April. And the, the great thing about Works is we don't ever call his name, which means he's not being beaten for a sack. He's not getting a holding penalty. He's not getting a false start. We, we go entire games without saying Tristan Works, number 78, right tackle. So, uh, yeah, they, they did a great job of opening up uh, holes a little bit in the run game. Pass protection was good. And you just got the sense that this was much like the Green Bay game once they got up by two scores, it's big trouble for the other team. Now, I will give the Raiders and John Gruden credit uh, because, again, I used, to, I used to be around John all the time, pregame show, postgame show, Monday radio show, love me some Chucky, some John Gruden. They made some adjustments at halftime. They got the game back within 24-20. But when the Bucks went down and got their, their uh, fourth touchdown of the day to go up 31-21, you're looking around, you're going – this defense is just going to squeeze the Raiders, and that's exactly what happened over the last quarter and a half. The Raiders could get no closer, and the Bucks pulled away. T.J. Reeves joins us. He is the Bucks sideline reporter. He could not make it to Vegas uh, yesterday because, of course, no traveling for the visiting team. So what I, what I had to do yesterday, T.J., I had to settle. I saw one of your cohorts uh, at the in the press box yesterday, actually on the way up to the press box in the elevator, and it was your man uh, Brian Glazer, and I and and, and and gave you a shout out, and we were talking about you, and I said you, you had to leave Reeves home. Why he goes, well, yeah, of course you got to leave Reeves home. Are you kidding me? The guy, you know, he thinks he talks a lot on your show. He says she being around him with us. So there you go. Yeah, it's, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. Uh, there is there is no doubt that we missed being there. I did see the photo. You put the photo on social media, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. What was that little chicken parm? You never identified that. It looked like a little chicken parm and a can of Coca Cola, which that turned out to be the best part of the day. If you were if you were looking for forward to covering or being around the Raiders, was the was the meal? The meal was about the high point of the day. TC, of Martin course, and, and then now we're two for two with that because the last home game against Buffalo, they had uh, some great barbecue chicken in the press box. I told you I would share with you the the press box uh, food photos because yeah. that's what we do. But this. I, there was no chicken in there. It was just called first. They had two things, and one said the impossible meatball. And I said, "What does that mean?" I'm afraid to ask. And the lady says, "Well, you know, that means that's it's, it's not real meat. I it's go, vegan." Exactly. I said, "Well, you know, I'm 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 not signed up for that." And she goes, "Oh, this is classical meat. The classico, classico meatball." I said, "Give me the classico." So. I had the meatballs. They were decent. There was no chicken. There was a, I thought it was lasagna, some ricotta cheese. I don't know what was in there, TJ Reeves. But I immediately made the move to the next picture that I sent you, the Raiders box of popcorn, which Frank and I talked about last week. I'm not one for boxes of popcorn. I'm the guy, as you know, that says, go to the theater, make me the hot fresh. I'll wait the eight and a half minutes, no problem. I'm not a box <laughs> popcorn guy because we know that popcorn has been popped on Friday like it was at Lambeau Field. So you stay away from that. However, surprisingly so, the Raiders got some good box popcorn. I actually think they make it 
maybe at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Maybe not like the Packers yeah. do on Friday morning and uh, serve it to you on Sunday, but that was the highlight, the box popcorn and with, with, the, say, with the Raiders the logo. Best part, yeah, best part of the day probably for the for the Raiders. And, and again, they, they drove down, they got the 7 nothing lead, and the Bucks have had this happen several times where somebody gets an opening touchdown, gets an opening lead, and they just don't lose their composure. Give, uh, give a lot of credit. Uh, to, to the adjustments that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, the play caller, make as the game goes along, and Todd Bowles on that defense. Did you enjoy Devin White, the first-round pick two years ago out of LSU, number 45, sideline to sideline, and then three sacks of Derek Carr as well in the game? Man, he was fantastic. I know you got to look at him uh, in person yesterday. That guy's going to be a special player for a decade or more, we hope, if all things are equal and he's healthy. He was something else yesterday. No, he was fantastic. The linebacking core, and again, uh, the only guy who, that uh, that drove me nuts uh, on on your team is your ham and egg cornerback, the guy with three names who uh, just loves to hold people and create penalties. <laughs> and again, you know, uh, I was a little bit scared for those Buccaneer fans yesterday and those people here in Vegas who were betting on the Buccaneers because they had a takeaway and that ham and egger gave it away. Who is You're that? Talking clown? about Sean Murphy oh, Bunting, who exactly. was a second year DB. Terrible. Mur- Murphy Bunting. Hunting is a is a quality DB, but yeah, he had a, he grappled a couple of times with Hunter Renfro, uh, etc. Uh, we were pleased because we did talk about in the buildup that Gruden likes to do this. It's out of the West Coast offense, and Sean Payton uh, takes it to another level with the rub routes. Let's run a receiver, let's run a tight end, or somebody right at a defensive back. It was good they caught the Raiders doing it once yesterday, five yards down the field. So uh, yeah, it was a little gamesmanship back and forth. Uh, in, in this one, but you know, ultimately again, Tom Brady is just, uh, he's unreal and he's got weapons to work with. I mean, the, the one thing I keep coming back to, and I just put a Buccaneers podcast up on the official site and the, and the mobile app is that everybody was questioning at 43. Does he still have arm strength? Does he still have velocity on the ball to get it downfield? Again, you were there. What did you see with your own eyes on the deep balls and the, and the touch on the ball 20, 30, 40 yards down the field? Testify, no, doctor. No, testify. No, nothing, nothing's changed. Again, the touch was amazing. He had plenty of strength. And again, the command, the decision-making. I thought I was looking at Tom Brady in a New England Patriot uniform from you know, 2012. I mean, he was, yeah. he, he was fantastic. Uh, again, and you know, I I know how this is, especially you know, for you, anybody that's in the media, you get to cover a guy like this on a daily basis. It's great. I got a chance to cover Brett Favre. Brett Favre was more entertaining, you know, for me. Uh, just you know, the sideline antics and the locker room stuff, uh, because he would drive everyone nuts, Packer fans nuts. But yeah, he had that greatness. But Brady with the precision, again, just uh, you know, you know, number one. Uh, for me, let's transition real quick before we get into the World Series here. Uh, you mentioned Cam Newton. You mentioned the Patriots. The mm-hmm. Niners drilled them mm-hmm. yesterday, thirty-three to six yesterday. Newton nine for fifteen, ninety-eight yards. That's it. <laughs> nine for fifteen, ninety-eight yards. He did play a full game, or pretty much close to it. Three picks and a QBR of thirty-eight point seven. Embarrassing. I've never been a Cam Newton guy. This Patriots team is uh, a shell of itself. It's it's more than just just Brady and Gronk, but Cam Newton is no replacement for any starting quarterback. The way I look at it right now. Well, and and, and look, he was good at the beginning of the year in the win over Miami, and in that Sunday night game in Seattle, he was effective at being able to find the backs, make some plays with his legs. But this is such a difficult league to succeed in obviously week after week after week because teams are going to adjust to what you're doing teams are going to scout you they're going to take things away that you have been doing and that's where you're seeing the limitations on cam newton obviously right now i have not gotten to see a ton of that game i probably saw maybe a handful of plays here and there in between the buck game i've read a couple of the accounts but they couldn't move the ball they don't have receivers to stretch the field uh, to help him and I, I don't know that even at this stage that Cam Newton is the same quarterback as even a couple of years ago at being able to help on his own. And clearly right now there are a lot of Patriot fans, there are Boston media members that were going on and on about how this, you know, Belichick, the dynasty, they're going to plug Cam Newton in and they're not going to miss a beat. They, they look 
idiotic for having said that because they can't function in terms of passing offense right now, and that is big trouble. And Newton basically waved the white flag uh, figuratively last night because he said, I, I would understand it if I get taken out. I'm paraphrasing. He basically acknowledged if they go to Jared Stidham, the second-year unproven quarterback, that he understands. He understands at this point they got to shake it up and try to do something. So it's bad in New England for sure. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because what a difference a few weeks in the NFL makes. Now we're talking about Cam Newton being the quarterback who looks old, looks maybe like he doesn't have it anymore. And, by the way, his quarterback rating was lower than the points that Tampa Bay just put on the board. So, uh, you know, that, I would say that if you're a Brady and a Tampa Bay fan, that's uh, those are all pretty much pluses. And you wondered, well, who would do better without the other one, Belichick or Brady? Well, right now, it's Brady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No contest. All right, yep. TJ Reeves joins us, our man in Tampa, the Buck sideline reporter, and, of course, uh, watching and covering those Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series there in Arlington, Texas. Saturday night, TJ, just I want to go back to that game number four. Phenomenal, the comeback with the Bucks. Give us your take. Give us uh, what uh, Kevin Cash and the players and people in Tampa were saying after that. And, uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to come away with the victory last night. So just uh, take us through the last 48 hours there in Tampa. All right. So do you have time? I, I, I promise I will condense this to like a 40-second story. So I was traveling back from having worked the national radio of Louisville and Florida State, which was a beatdown by the Cardinals early game Saturday. So I'm flying back through Atlanta, and we had a flight delay, long story. So I'm watching the game on the phone in the gate. And there are a lot of Tampa people because it's the Atlanta to Tampa flight. Gather around on phones. Whoever had a phone, we're watching the game. We get on the plane. We're delayed on the plane because they're trying to load the bags and it's pouring down rain in Atlanta. So we watch some of the game on the tarmac. We fly and they have in-flight TV. And in the in-flight TV, we see Kiermaier's home run that ties the game in like the seventh inning. And then the live TV goes out because of bad weather. So we got no live TV. So if you didn't have the internet on the plane, you're struggling. Anyway, I land. I'm getting off the plane in the ninth inning, in the bottom of the ninth inning. There are people walking with me, watching my little handheld phone here. As the Rays were trying to rally, down one, got Kiermaier on base. I was not going to baggage claim to get a bag. So I told these people, I said, listen, I'm not going downstairs. I'm going to my car. I'm walking to my car. They said, okay, thanks. They left. I'm walking in a Rosarina's down to his final strike, the, the guy that's had such a tremendous postseason, and he's only a rookie, and he gets the walk, and now there are two on, and I get to my car while, while the kid Phillips is batting, uh, who's a total unknown. He's a local kid from this area, but he's been released a couple of times by other teams, hadn't, hadn't even really been on the postseason roster until they played a hunch and put him on the roster now. So... He's the guy at the plate. I'm now, I get to my car with my bags and I'm standing, I'm looking at the phone that I'm talking to you on when that play happens. And my kid you not, TC, my internet stream starts going wonky and the picture is no longer moving while Joe Buck is calling, Kiermaier's going to score. Here comes the Rose Arena. I can't see it. All I can hear him is calling it and he says, a Rosarita falls over, but wait a minute, the ball gets away. I'm going, my God, I've still got Kevin Kiermaier frozen on my screen, rounding third. I can't see it in the parking lot of the Tampa airport. And finally it unfreezes with him laying on home plate, patting home plate. And I yell out, yes, they win, 8-7. to seven. What an amazing emotional game in game four to get the thing 2-2. But the Dodgers are just so good. I mean, TC, you know this. You've been talking about it on your show. You're out there in the West. That lineup is loaded, and they came storming right back last night. And we'll see what happens. I hope the Rays can push it to a seventh game tomorrow night. But, I mean, if the Dodgers do what the Dodgers have been doing, they're going to win this thing whether they win it in six or seven because they just hit the daylights out of the ball no matter who's pitching. We'll see if the Rays can scrap with them, though. I figured you'd appreciate that story that the cell service had to go out at the worst possible time in the World Series dramatic finish. I'm trying to see what the heck just happened. Yeah, I, I've had similar uh, stories to that in, in, with the airports and big games. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, so, so so basically you're watching the TV and you got a radio broadcast of it. Right. <laughs> right, with a frozen picture of Kiermaier coming around third, and Joe Buck's call is a phenomenal call on the TV, trying to keep track of all that. Because, again, he's up in the press box watching a Rosarina do a tumble, a tumble, a somersault, and then he should be dead at the plate. 
and instead the ball is dropped. It's just crazy, and the, and the Rays uh, win the game. So uh, that, that's going to be a memorable moment. They may not win the World Series, but they've had a great uh, postseason run, and that will be the moment that gets talked about 10 years from now, even if they don't win. All right, call it right now. Do they win game six? Are, are we having a game win? I say win- yes. Are we having a game I seven Wednesday? I say they slap and at least win game six to force a game seven. Um, and don't get me started about the whole the steal of home thing last night. I, I kind of like that. That's not by the book. Uh, you know, there's there's so many people blasting them. I like taking chances oh, like that. You're the underdog. Yes. You're the underdog. And, Go do it. And it wasn't like he was thrown out by three feet. I mean, that no. was very questionable. Very questionable. He could have been called Almost safe. got the hand in there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And almost doesn't count, but I like going for things like that. The risk takers, the ones that, that think outside the box or try things, et cetera, et cetera. So I like that because that was not raised like That was not by the book, by the analytics to try that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in game six here Tuesday. All right, my man. We appreciate you. Follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow, a Buck sideline guy. And a real quick, uh, you, your 40 seconds turned to four minutes again. So within uh, 15 seconds, plug your podcast. Thank you. You can find <laughs> me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. One TC Martin is always good to come on that podcast where we talk underdogs in football college and the nfl and amazingly enough it's out on thursdays three dog thursday thank you for the plug doctor always love being with you from the epicenter of sports tampa bay by the way it it was 40 seconds it was just 40 seconds at the end of an nba game that's exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh all right tj thank you my man we will talk to you real soon appreciate you be well. All right, there he is. T.J. Reeves joins us. All right, we come back. Don't you dare go anywhere. Back in 60 seconds with the one, the only, Matthew Holt. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Yes, don't forget, a week from today, two hours of nonstop sports talk. We go 2 to 4 p.m. Yours truly, Ballpark Frank. Numchuck making it happen. More time for more guests. And uh, glad that uh, you'll be joining us for two hours each and every Monday through Friday. And that means two hours at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas every Friday afternoon for our Football Fridays. Our Best Bets segment and a whole lot more. And uh, one of our guys who's been crushing it on the Best Bets. And actually, Frank, everyone was crushing it this week on the best bets, correct? Yeah, so far all looking pretty good. Um, a couple of guys, including yourself, have the Rams tonight. So I will be rooting against you because I'm a Bears fan. But, um, yeah, so far so good. So my only loser was Penn State. Still not sure wow. that two-point conversion was good. Yeah. But even if it wasn't, because they went for it, Penn State still wouldn't have covered. So, yes, you true. know what? If you're not going to cover, then lose. So go ahead. Didn't we both say that we were going to lay off the Big Ten this weekend because how can you handicap it? We have nothing to go by. We have none of these, you know, bowling green games that they're playing or any of that nonsense. No spring game, nothing to go by. And they're getting a late start. And what are we doing? Lay off the Big Ten. Well, you got to pick something. And I, I took Penn State because I thought, come on, Indiana is still Indiana. And remember I said I wanted to take Ohio State, but yeah. I didn't want to think – I didn't want to get my heart involved in yeah. it, so I stayed off because of the big number. I should have gone with Ohio State, obviously. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that could have been a bad beat, too, you know, the way they won that game there at the end. But it wasn't. All right. <laughs> Matthew Holt joins us. You at U.S. Integrity. What's going on, my man? TC, what a weekend week. We had Big Ten returning to football. Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, retains his lightweight title, then retires. Big NFL Sunday. Wow, what a weekend. All right, let's talk about the betting side. Nothing but favorites out there. And I know that... There's a lot of sharp guys that are saying, man, I can't hit nothing. I, I, was, I was a loser this week, and the public were cashing all kinds of tickets, Matt. So talk a little bit about that. Give, give us the scorecard, favors versus dogs that covered in the NFL on Sunday. You know, it was kind of all over the place. I do know that that missed extra point by Cleveland saved a lot of books, a lot of love for the Cleveland Browns this year. That missed extra point, which made them win by three instead of four, was a huge one for the books. But the Sharps didn't have the worst day either. The New York Jets, which opened 13-and-a-half, dropped all the way to 10 from sharp action. They got there. The Carolina Panthers, another very sharp play, got there. So I don't think the Sharps had a terrible day, and I don't think the books had a terrible day either. Um, 
but but certainly the the better has got advantage of them, especially in the afternoon where Kansas City routed, Tampa Bay routed. I mean, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, so popular at the betting windows right now. They get it done in a 25-point blowout. The Kansas City Chiefs win by 27. So it's certainly a good afternoon for the public. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at those games, too, you mentioned the extra point in Cleveland. Uh, Tennessee had a chance to tie their game. They missed a field goal as well. So some strange things with kickers. And I got to tell you, I know we're talking about the pros right now, but as a Bears fan, my heart went through my chest when I saw Royce, Rice, excuse me, not only do a double doink, but a quadruple doink on a kick. I mean, I, 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 unfortunately, I think I know who the Bears' next kicker might be. <laughs> Unbelievable. First quadruple doink I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a quadruple hit the one upright, then the crossbar, then the other upright, then the crossbar again, and fell short. It's like, how is that even possible? Well, it's always something new. In 2020, in the COVID year, you know, nothing's out of the realm of possibility anymore, my friend. All right. Khabib wins in UFC, then he retires. Matt, talk a little bit about the match, about the hype, but I know like, like Frank was uh, saying earlier that that uh, you know, Khabib hinted about uh, possible retiring uh, before this match, even the last couple of weeks. Give us your thought about this, and how much of a surprise is to hear about one of the greatest UFC fighters retiring after he uh, wins Saturday night? I don't know that it's all that surprising, and Frank's right. I mean, he, he even when his father was alive, the plan was always to get to 30-0 and 0 and then retire. You know, this was the last great challenge at lightweight for him. He'd already beaten uh, Conor McGregor already. Justin Gaethje was kind of the last great challenger out there. The plan was always to beat Gaethje, and then maybe one last mega fight. I know Khabib was hoping to bring the late uh, George St. Pierre out of retirement and, and maybe have a mega a fight with St. Pierre and Khabib as his last fight and ride off into the sunset with a big payday. But his father died in the buildup to this fight. Uh, and I think that changed everything for Khabib. He promised his mother that he wouldn't fight again, and, and I think he's going to hold true to that word. And what's interesting about that is now, all of a sudden, the Tony Ferguson's, the Conor McGregor's, who probably weren't going to get another title shot against Khabib. In fact, Khabib adamantly said he would never give Conor another shot. All of a sudden, who's gonna, is anybody going to be surprised if come mid-January, Conor McGregor is your UFC lightweight champion? And, you know, Matt, it's interesting, too, because we talk about Khabib and we talk about McGregor. McGregor, obviously, the better known because he's constantly tooting his own horn. He's got a lot of controversy. I don't know if the novice MMA fan is ever going to realize just how dominant and how exceptional Khabib Nurmagomedov has been in this sport because he's not always out there pumping his chest and talking about himself and that. He's kind of mild-mannered. He just goes in there, and all he does is win, even in spectacular fashion. I hope that some people at some point that people realize how great this guy was. Like you mentioned, 29-0, and 0, but I don't know that he gets the love and the props that he deserves from the fan that's not a diehard MMA fan. I completely agree with you in the U.S., but outside the U.S., the whole reason that you know we here in Vegas had to watch that pay-per-view at 12 p.m. Pacific time this past Saturday was because Khabib is such a huge star. So even Daniel Cormier, Stipe Maotic, when they did that one, every other fight on Fight Island has been at our time pay-per-view, and then they fight live locally at like 4 a.m. in in uh, UAB in Dubai. Dubai, but in this one, they made it prime time in Dubai because Khabib is such a huge star in Eastern Europe. But you're right, the American fans who, you know, because of the language barrier, because he's from Russia and he hasn't been over here that much, probably will never understand just how dominant this guy is. 29-0, and he never was even in danger of losing any fight in the UFC. Just the most dominating champion probably that we've ever seen. I would say tied. I think John Jones, let's face it, nobody ever beat John Jones either inside the octagon, but at the end of his career, he did have several close calls, you know, a very close decision wins over Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes. I mean, on the other side, Khabib never even had a close All right, fight. Matt. Real quick, Bears, Rams, Rams minus six. Give us a winner. i got to go with the Rams tonight. Bears a little bit banged up on both sides of the football, especially in the secondary. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys.
guys. Take care. All right. <laughs> Miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. We're back at it tomorrow. Terrible Tuesday style for Ballpark Frank, the numchuck, TC Martin saying so long. See you manana.